You're listening to Indiana SRN, God's Word 24-7, and sports. This is Behind the Stripes. Thank you for joining us as we take an honest look at the men and women we call officials, the professionals who make it possible for us to enjoy the games we love. They are the authority on the field, on the courts, on the diamonds, and on the ice. Behind the Stripes is here to support our officials, athletic directors, coaches, players, and fans by bringing attention to good sportsmanship, strong leadership, selfless teamwork, and respect for others on and off the playing field. Now, let's join our host, Keith Myers, and his guest for today's show. It is Behind the Stripes, Week 11. Keith Myers with you, co-host Brenda Hilton. You can follow us or catch us on email. Brenda's email is brenda at officiallyhuman.com. Mine is coach at indianasrn. Or you can follow us on Twitter at indianasrn. This is going to be a great week, week 11. Marsha Altman is with us. She is the college coordinator of a lot of officials. And Marsha, you have experience of uh, officiating, so this is pretty easy for you, isn't it? Well, I don't know about easy these days, but yes, I do. I have a, about a 35-year history of officiating in this sport. Brenda, that's a lot of officiating. That's a lot of officiating, and uh, we are... Very, very happy that Marsha has agreed to um, get some time out of her busy schedule because we know that um, anybody that is in the assigning world right now is on pins and needles trying to figure out how to how to even approach this. So, Marsha, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to join us, but really excited about the call today. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Let's talk, yeah. a little, let's talk a little bit about officiating. How many years have you officiated for 35 years and now you're coordinating? Talk a little bit about what coordinating is about and uh, has your background in officiating helped your process of doing all the what you do? Yeah, it, it has helped a lot. I, I started officiating clear back when I was in college myself which was way back, I'm saying dark ages. Um, but uh, I, I took a required officiating class in college and I just found my niche. Uh, the instructor was one of my favorites. She was very motivational. And so I quickly started doing high school officiating for my part-time job to help pay my way through college. And it was, you know, it was a lot better than waiting tables or flipping burgers, that's for darn sure. And, and I started out multi-sport. I did softball, basketball, and volleyball uh, at the high school level while I was still in college myself. Uh, when I graduated, I started uh, pretty quickly doing junior college and then moved into NAIA fairly quickly. Uh, got my national certification in officiating and uh, started, I was in, lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time, started doing some Division One at that point. And uh, ended up working for the Big Ten as an active official. And um, then in 1996, the Big Ten coordinator decided to retire and asked if I would be interested in applying for that job. I had not really thought about moving into administration up to that point, but I knew a job like that wasn't going to come along very often. So I, uh, that was my first uh, coordinating job was with the Big Ten and I remained active on the court even as I worked for the Big Ten as a coordinator. I remained active on the court till 2009. Now, uh, coordinating is all I do, and it's plenty at this point. Marsha, one of the things I learned when I attended the, the PAVO conference in December was volleyball is a little bit different than other sports in that you continue to work at all different levels, even one, once you get to the collegiate level. Can you talk about that a little bit and just the uniqueness of that? 
Yeah, our, our officials uh, tend to work across the board. So many, uh, I think the last figure I heard was about 65% of the PAVO membership, which is primarily the collegiate officials, about 65% of them also st still work at the high school level. Wow. Uh, we work, uh, almost all officials uh, who work college also work club volleyball, which is done in the spring with the, uh, with the clubs and USA Volleyball. Uh, so our officials work nine to 10 months of the year, uh, staying busy at all levels, including high school, small college, division one, and then club in the spring. And then there's beach volleyball and men's volleyball in the spring as well. Yeah, that's, that's so crazy to me that um, when back when you started officiating, it really was kind of a one season sport, correct? And now it's basically year round. It was, you know, club volleyball just mushroomed in about the last 15 years. And <clears throat> pardon me, when I when I first started, I didn't do a lot of club. I did some adult club, which was kind of a thing in those days. But the junior world hadn't just exploded. And it did that about 15 to 20 years ago. And so now people can work. They can work a junior tournament virtually every weekend between January and July. They can stay busy constantly. That's amazing. It's crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, so many associations, uh, uh, Indiana, uh, with the Indiana High School Athletic Association, uh, they just formed a new coaches' associations a couple years ago. Gene Kesselton, uh, old coach from Cathedral High School, is now the president of that association. One of the things that she really wants to do for volleyball officials is more training for those officials to make their game better. Uh, do you have associations throughout? Uh, the country to be on the same boat, uh, boat with that philosophy? Absolutely. Every high school state association, I think, is involved in that. And, and in the past, I've worked a lot with the NFHS to help them somewhat develop their rule book and their training materials because I was the secretary rules editor for the NCAA for about 11 years. And so in that, I got to know some of the Federation folks. And, and so we worked closely together. In volleyball, the Federation worked closely with the NCAA and USA Volleyball. I, I say at my training clinics, there are a lot of rule differences between the three, the three organizations, and, but they're not, done, they're not done accidentally. Those rule differences are done with malicious and forethought. Because um, every group talks to each other as they as they create the rules code, and that helps a lot for officials who work across the board. But collegiately, volleyball is a little unique as well because we uh, Brenda mentioned PABO, that's the Professional Association of Volleyball Officials. I was the executive director of PABO for 20 years as I was coming up the ranks of officials, and that was my professional job. And PAVO develops the training tools across the United States for collegiate officials. They work, they work closely with the NCAA national coordinator uh, to develop the preseason clinics some training camps, just a lot of things that are going on. But it's like everybody has realized that on, hands-on training is critical these days to making volleyball officials better because um, there's so many nuances to the sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the interesting thing about that training too is because we, you know, Marcia, this week or next week, you probably would be having a clinic at the Big Ten Conference office, correct? And now everything has had to go virtual. How how has everybody adjusted to that? And um, because we do like that face to face interaction and think it's very important, especially to see somebody's positioning, you know, when you're right there on the court. Um, how how have you guys adjusted to that? 
you know, it's been tough. It's it just like it's been tough for everybody from public schools through colleges to adjust to, to that kind of uh, format. Uh, that's true for us as well, because I, I think part of part of what we need to do to keep people involved in the sport is engage them and motivate them. And that's hard to do online. You know, I can present the exact same material over a Zoom call that I would do in a classroom, for instance. But it's just not the same. It's just me talking while they're trying to listen and maybe checking their email at the same time. And Mm -hmm. it's I mean, that's human nature. I get that. That doesn't mean they're bad people. It's just what we do. So we have adjusted all the summer uh, camps and the preseason clinics to being virtual in format. You know, we started, we opened our clinic season uh, last week. Typically, we do about 30 in-person clinics across the United States. And when I say we, I mean PAVO, I'm, I'm still associated with them as a clinician. And we do about 30 across the United States over a five week period. We're the only sport that does that number of, of training events uh, to prepare people for the upcoming season. This year we've had to do them all online and we've shortened them because when we have you in the classroom, we have you for about four to five hours. We simply can't do that death mm-hmm. by zoom is a real thing you know so mm-hmm. um, so there's been a lot of adjustments made and uh, i don't know you know and some of it works well enough that we may continue to say hey that piece worked well online let's continue to to do that kind of training online but on the other hand we can't wait to get back to where we have people you know face to face where we can smile at them and talk to them you're listening to behind the stripes on indiana srn it's week 11 marcia altman is joining us she's a coordinator of college officials uh, throughout the country and you know, Big Ten is now making some decisions about seasons. Uh, high schools are now thinking about uh, starting seasons. I know Indiana starts football uh, officially. Uh, their games begin on August 21st. Uh, volleyball starts in less than 8 to 10 days. Uh, people are excited and gearing up. They need to be safe. What are you doing as an association or as a coordinator to educate your officials about keeping things safe uh, because sometimes we don't treat officials very well. So how do, how do you encourage your officials uh, pregame-wise and all those things to keep the game safe? First of all, it starts before I talk to my officials because I'm constantly having to gently nudge my liaisons in my various conferences. I have six Division One conferences in my consortium. That's the Big Ten, the Big East, the AAC, Conference USA, MAC, and Horizon. And each of them, their plates are overflowing right now with decisions. And yet I kind of occasionally have to be the the pinprick in their side to say, hey, we need to remember the officials as we get ready to the for these return to play issues. Don't forget the officials because they sometimes get swept a little under the rug. Exactly right. So, yeah, true. And so in terms of um, what I'm trying to communicate to my officials, because I think there's a, a at least a discomfort level, if not even a fear level out there, they want to go back to work. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I recently surveyed all my officials with a simple little, you know, do you want to work? Do you only want to work if you don't have to travel overnight? Uh, Are you willing to fly if you need to? You know, I sent a survey out like that. And 
almost 100%. They just want to go back to work. And yet there's this little edge about, okay, but what are we going to have to do? Are we going to have to get tested? Are we going to have to wear masks? What, you know, what other accommodations have to be made? And, and the fact is we still don't know. I mean, here it is the first week of August and we still don't know some of those answers. So right now my charge as I see it is to a, encourage them to go ahead and prepare for the season as if it's going to happen, because with any luck, it will. Mm -hmm. And then B, try to keep them calm and educated about what will be required. I keep telling them our, our three words that are our mantra this year are patience, flexibility, and compliance. Yeah. Um, are you? Are you okay to wear a mask? Are you okay to get tested? Are you okay to have your temperature taken? Are you okay to arrive in uniform and, and maybe do your post-game discussion virtually or on the phone? All of those things are, you know, officials love routine and mm -hmm. they're messing with our routine. <laughs> As an ex-official, I will tell you, uh, I, my business is now broadcasting high school sports uh, and my same officiating routine that I did as an official is the same routine I use every week. And Brenda gets tired of uh, the same repetition, but that's how I feel comfortable. And that's how you yeah. become very successful with that. Absolutely. I, you know, when I, before the craziness started, when I would train people, I would say, you know, you, you have to, um, you have to develop a routine so that those things come naturally because there will be enough surprises, you know, in, in a normal match, even before the crazy times. There, there are enough surprises and things you have to react to. So let's make sure we have a routine that takes care of the things that that are commonplace. And that way, none of those, you know, get our blood pressure up. And then the, the, and, other, the other thing I think that we have to do is you got to remember, you still have to have fun doing this game as serious as everything is going on. You got to put a smile on your face and you got to have fun because if you're not having fun, you just might as well just give it up. Oh, I totally agree. And and that's why so many of my folks want to get back to work. I mean, yes, the certainly they lost a lot of money because they lost their entire spring, uh, you know, last spring. They lost their club season. So that was a, a hit to their pocketbooks. But and now they're looking at a fall season, which is when they actually make the majority of their money. Uh, but but that's still we, we talk so much about the intangible rewards of officiating, and that's still the biggest reason they do it. It's fun. It, it improves your your self-worth. Uh, you learn life skills that you use in a lot of other places. Uh, you know, you can use them in your personal relationships. You can you know, when I when I do a segment in my clinics about interacting with coaches, I tell them. You know, a lot of what you're going to hear in the next 30 minutes, take it home and use it with your spouse. It works. <laughs> it's many of the same skills, you know. Um, Brenda, you're so listening? Oh, I'm listening. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> so those life skills are important to learn as well. But you're right. The, the intangible rewards are what we have to really focus on as we, we try to keep people engaged in officiating. Yeah. So, Marcia, one of the things that um, we we talk a lot about is kind of the recruitment and retention of officials. Is there the shortage in volleyball at all levels like we're seeing in other sports? I know at the high division one level, we're probably not hurting there as much, but are you seeing it across the board at the lower levels? Yes, absolutely. There, there is a shortage in almost all geographic areas that I'm aware of anyway. At the high school level, there's certainly a shortage at the club level. Uh, as I say, at the club level, we only provide, most tournaments only provide one official for each match. And, you know, the team that's sitting out has to provide 
the, the second referee and the line judges because there simply aren't enough certified officials to go around. So um, that's one of the things that scares me the most about all this talk about possibly moving uh, the college volleyball season to the spring. And even I know mm -hmm. some high school states are talking about mm -hmm. that because we will be in direct conflict with the club season, the men's season, the beach season. All of that will happen at the same time. There definitely will not be enough officials to go around to cover all of those venues. There's no question about it. And we're aging out. Like mm -hmm. many sports, we're we're aging out. You know, volleyball isn't as physically demanding as some other sports. Um, you have to be able to be on your feet for a long time. You have to have great eyes. Uh, that's usually the first thing to go for us. Uh, you have to have quick, I say quick eyes, and your eyes slow down as you age. Mm -hmm. But it's not as physically demanding in terms of, of uh, running and so on. But um, so so our our older officials can stay around. And they do, but then something comes along like this year, and there's no question, there's a lot of our older officials who are just going to say, you know what, I was, I was looking at being done in the next couple of years, this is a good reason to just bow out, you know, I, I don't need to expose myself to what's going on in, in the sports world right now. As we so we will lose some officials. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As we approach halftime, we'll be back with Marcia and Brenda <clears throat> right after this timeout. It is halftime on Behind the Stripes. It's halftime at the Behind the Stripes podcast, powered by Indiana SRN, underwritten by the IHSAA and the Indiana Officials Association. If you would like to be a part of our sponsorship, please contact us at info at indianasrn.org. We want to hear from you. Contact Keith Myers at coach at indianasrn.org or Brenda at brenda at officiallyhuman.com. Now let's join Keith for the second half of Behind the Stripes, powered by Indiana SRN. Becoming a licensed sports official is a great way to make a positive difference in the community and support the over 160,000 Indiana student-athletes that participate across 21 IHSAA sports. Sports officiating allows you to stay connected to the game, become a role model for our young student-athletes, earn extra money, and support the patrons and communities of our IHSAA member schools. To learn more about becoming a licensed IHSAA official, log on to IHSAA.org slash officials today. Do you want to hear your favorite team on IndianaSRN.org? It's easy to do. I'm calling all the play-by-play -play and colored commentary. High school sports along with youth sport, Mr. Wizard is waiting for your call. Contact him at 317-443-0052. We're ready for every touchdown, basket, and goal. Contact Mr. Wizard, 317-443-0052. You're listening to Indiana SRN, God's Word 24-7, and sports. Back with the second half of Behind the Stripes. Brenda Hilton is your co-host. You can reach her at Brenda at officiallyhuman.com. My name is Keith Myers. They call me Coach. You can reach me at coach at indianasrn.org. You can follow us on Twitter at indianasrn. And Brenda, just want to let you know, got an email from a, a group from New Mexico thanking us uh, for having some great guests. And boy, we have another great guest this week. And uh, I want to thank you and all your hard work behind the scenes of getting this done. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure. It's been, um, I can't believe we're at week 11 already. And it's just been so much fun to have 
so many experts in the world of officiating on here and uh, with Marsha Alterman here. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, Marsha, um, before we went into our break, we talked, we were talking about um, some of the high school associations moving their fall sports to spring. And I think I'm correct. And this is probably a question for both of you at the high school and grade school level. Isn't it that officials work multiple sports? And so is that shortage going to become even more real, you know, based on the fact that the the group is aging out and we may see earlier retirements as well as this multiple sport officiating world? Absolutely. If they if they do end up condensing everything into the spring, it's going to be terribly challenging because you are right. High school officials tend to work more than one sport. Um, they, they sometimes even overlap seasons. And uh, so that that's going to become a very real problem if suddenly we're looking at, you know, basketball, volleyball, uh, soccer, field hockey, I mean, all of them being condensed into the spring in some locales. That, that's going to be extremely challenging. You know, from what I hear, a lot of high school uh, associations, uh, state associations are still looking at uh, getting going this fall. It'll just mm-hmm. be interesting to see if that really does occur. But if it does, it will certainly help spread the officiating demands out a little bit rather than going all to the spring. That's going to be challenging. You know, Brenda, here, you know, Brenda, here in Indiana, there is talk that they may not play junior high football uh, or junior high uh, volleyball. They may just uh, wait and play that the next year. Uh, I I think the kids would want to play. So they're going to play somewhere. They're going to jump ship and uh, either play club somewhere or something to stay busy because kids want to stay busy. Parents want to watch their kids play sports. So it's very interesting. You know, I, I did this for a long time, and, and one of my buddies who we have next week, Mark Maxwell, uh, who's going to talk to us a little bit about football officiating in the state of Indiana next week because of the season coming up, says you need to come out of retirement. And there is no way I'm going to come out of retirement to do this because I enjoy what we're doing now. And, and, but there will be that push of, you know, maybe getting a volunteer of doing something. And I think that just hurts our games. Well, it does. And um, to add on to what you said, I did a quick little survey on on Twitter uh, about a week and a half ago and and said, if there are no high school sports, will kids go to club? And it was 86%. Um, responses so that yes they would they would find a club to go to so um, to your point they're going to play and to Marsha's point we still need we still need officials and and rolling into that Marsha how do you you know we we talk all the time about when there's a a downturn in the economy we have an uptick in in some of these side jobs and uh, officiating being one of them well how do we we're going to recruit these people. They're going to come and they're going to do this. How do we keep them after year three? Yeah, that's that's the challenge. I mean, in officiating, I think anybody who has been active in officiating for very many years will tell you that their biggest motivation for staying involved is the the social aspect of it. The um, the colleagues that they grow close to through officiating because it, it's a it's a little bit like like surviving something, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they're, the, they're the only people who understand what I just survived. So you develop a relationship with other officials that is unlike any other, I would say. And we have to keep them around long enough to develop that relationship. 
Now, that's why, you know, we continuously stress mentoring programs because we have to make them understand that they have a support system um, and that that support system is going to be there for them. And because the experience for that hour and a half or two hours that they're on the court or on the field can sometimes take a long time to heal afterwards. And Mm -hmm. that's too bad, but it's the reality of it. We have to make sure they know that they have a support system that's going to help them through that healing process. And, and, you know, right now when I sit in on coaches, (laughs) coaches phone calls and I explain to them, you know, some of these issues and that they may not have travel issues. Some people are, you know, the conferences don't want me to travel people. Some people who are in my officiating rosters don't want to travel. So it may be, they may be seeing a different mix of officials than they've seen in the past if they do have matches at home this year. And of course, right now, all the coaches are saying, Oh, no problem. We just want to get back to play. We totally understand. <laughs> right. Um, well, come October, I just fully expect that that won't be quite as true. You know, Marsha, you were saying, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you were saying, you know, most of it was camaraderie and, and, and friendship. Mine was just the concession stand food. That's why I officiated. I mean, I just wanted the nachos, <laughs> the hot dogs. And, and, but, you there know, you go. But in all seriousness, you know, you, you're going to run into that situation. And in all seriousness, I really enjoyed it and I cherished those friendships. But you're right. Coaches will say everything's fine now until the heat of the moment and that young new rookie makes a mistake. Uh, you're going to be getting a lot of phone calls. How do you handle those phone calls at that point? Well, for most of my coaches, for one thing, I've been around longer than they have. So there's very little they're going to say to me <clears throat> that's new. And and so I listen. I, I'm, I think I'm a pretty good listener. And so I do listen to them first and let them speak their piece. But then, you know, first, certainly this year, I'm prepared to remind them of what they said in August when they <laughs> said it would be fine, just find us officials. I'm certainly not above that. But um, at the same time, when a coach calls me, you know, I'm more than willing. I will. Ha- I tell my officials I will have their back any time when a coach calls me as long as they were knowledgeable of the rules and attempted to use the right techniques and mechanics that they were supposed to. If they sway too far from the norms, I'm going to have a little harder time defending them. But uh, I think my officials know that I'll support them through almost anything. And and so for my coaches, what I tell them is send me video. I I spend a huge amount of time these days looking at video. Uh, Send me video if you want me to look at something. And I am happy to help that official develop further. Uh, when an when a coach rather tries to pull the I never want to see that official in my gym again, I remind them that that's my job, not theirs, and they they should focus on you know making their kids better, and I'll focus on people's better, and you know we can we can both come out better on the other side of things. So yeah. um, most of my coaches, you know, I have a few new ones this year. It's going to be interesting to see how they react to a difficult year for everybody. Uh, and and how many phone calls I get from the new folks. I got that call a lot. You'll never work here again in my officiating <laughs> career. Uh, lastly, as we wrap things up, as uh, we're approaching the end of this, uh, the behavior of fans, I know we could go on, but we only got about two minutes. The behavior of fans has to be much better too, and this is a good time after this break to come back and maybe nail that a little bit stronger, do you think, or your take? Uh, and you got 90 I, seconds to answer that, which is not fair for you at all to answer that in 90 <laughs> seconds. But 
I'll give it my best shot. I would love it if we could focus on that at some point. It's going to be hard to find that time and energy, but I would love that. I have a school in one of my conferences that does a thing called Volleyball 101 for their fans in the preseason. They've had me help with that, where we do stations and the fans move from station to station to quickly learn about a rule. I work with their team. I say, here's how a back row block happens. It, it's an educational piece, and I think that's critical. If we educate them, maybe they at least are smart fans, not ignorant fans. I love it. Yeah, and just maybe just a little bit nicer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the goal. You know, my goal is to get Brenda on a ladder this year to officiate and see how well she <laughs> officiates. You know, That's I, terrible. I, I think we'll put Brenda up on the ladder. I'll be on the floor and I'll just eat nachos and go, yeah, that's a great call, coach. That was a great call. Yeah. Okay. You guys just tell me when that's happening and I will be there. <laughs> I would not subject anybody to that, Marcia. You know that. We will charge a mission, Marcia. Trust me. We'll there charge we go. a mission. Hey, thank you so much for your time. I, I say this to all of our guests, but you're welcome to come back and and talk with us more because I really want to talk a little bit more in depth of, uh, of how we can help educate our fans. I love that conference doing that. I think that's a great idea. I think mm. we should make that mandatory. There you go. I like it. I'd love to come yeah. back. That's great. Thank you so much, Marsha. My pleasure. We wrap things up. We thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you in week 12 next week. Brenda, we'll see you next week. Thank you, Keith. See ya. And we'll see you next week on Behind the Stripes on Indiana SRN, where you're always in the game. A show that supports our officials, athletic directors, coaches, players, and fans by bringing attention to good sportsmanship, strong leadership, selfless teamwork, and respect for others on and off the playing field. Thank you for listening to Behind the Stripes. Powered by Indiana SRN. Do you want to hear your favorite team on indianasrn.org? It's easy to do. Calling all the play-by-play and colored commentary. High school sports, along with youth sport, Mr. Wizard is waiting for your call. Contact him at 317-443-0052. We're ready for every touchdown, basket, and goal. Contact Mr. Wizard, 317-443-0052. You're listening to Indiana SRN, God's Word 24-7, and sports.